Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. All right, everybody, good day to you. Welcome to another podcast, Faith Seeking Understanding. I am Alan Bevere. I am your host. I am a pastor, retired, a professor, a Bible moth, a theologian in exile, and every day it seems to be getting more in exile, and a peddler of hope. And I am the self-appointed Anselm of Canterbury, chair of Faith Seeking Understanding University, a completely made-up institution of higher learning, but where all seekers are invited to ponder profound things free of charge. And that laugh that you heard in the background, that familiar <laughs> laugh, is Dr. Pidge Bannon, the senior instructional designer here at Ashland Theological Seminary in Ashland, Ohio. Pidge, how's it going? It is going very well. Steeped in Bonhoeffer. Steeped so. in Bonhoeffer. Steeped in marinating yes. in yes, Bonhoeffer. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing. It seems like the more you learn about him, the less you know in some ways. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the more yeah. you want to learn. And the more I mean, you want to like learn. Really, the more, the more you want to learn. learn. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's not yep. enough stuff out there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Even though there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff out there, but there's not <laughs> yeah. enough. <laughs> okay. So today is Bonhoeffer in America. Now, this, by the way, I was half tempted uh, with with subject today to begin with, like Neil Diamond, you know, he's coming to America, you know. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I'd be really pushing it, pushing into the music part of a podcast. Probably shouldn't do that. So, uh, but we're going to spend, we're going to talk about him in America, and we're going to, I'm going to mention it today, but we're really going to focus next week on Bonhoeffer in Harlem. Okay. We want to emphasize that. So, Bonhoeffer makes two trips. To America, he comes here the first time in uh, around August of 1930, and he he's here until mm, about a year. He's 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 back in Germany by 1930. And he's how old? Well, let's see. He was born in 1906, so he's in his 20s, right? That amazes me alone. Well, the guy had the guy wrote two dissertations. I know, by, you know, I, like, know. Yeah. I know, but yeah, yeah. Is, you I know, wrote one, one I, that almost I, killed me. I was <laughs> going to say, you know, one dissertation just about did me in, and I can tell you this: if I'd have tried for two, I'd have been divorced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, and so he's bought off or he writes two dissertations, but so he comes to America. His first trip is about a year, nineteen thirty. He comes on a scholarship, so there's scholarship money available. For Bonhoeffer to study, uh, and and by the way, he he also possibly had an option to go to India, and in fact, if he would have had, had his druthers, he would have gone to India. Oh, and the okay. reason is, and this is important because of his thinking, India is a minority Christian country, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Bonhoeffer, who ascribes to a neo-Orthodox understanding of religion, Karl Barth being the poster boy for neo-Orthodox theology, Bonhoeffer uh, subscribes to the idea that religion is 
what human beings invented to try to find God, to try to seek after God, mm. even though it was a dead end, right? Uh, and Bart makes the same thing. He says, you know, he, he's, he's opposed to what he calls religion. Uh, and this is a very particular understanding of religion. So, so we need to, it's kind of hard to take all of our baggage as we think of the word religion. But, but so Bonhoeffer really would have loved to have immersed himself in that context because for Bonhoeffer, it's not, he wants to go to India to convert people, although he likes, he wants to do that. that that's important to him because he thinks Jesus makes a big difference. But he wants to learn about these other religions. Right. So he, so, and by the way, when Bonhoeffer talks about, and he will talk about what we need is religionless Christianity, that's a big theme in his writings. He uh, he's not talking about uh, just a personal relationship with Jesus and all getting rid of all the the worship and the hymns and the structure and the church and all of that. Because you know right. we've already talked about how important church becomes for Bonhoeffer. He's not talking about Christianity without the church. He's talking about a Christianity that gets out of the walls. The right. Christianity that get, that that all that stuff is supposed to propel us out. So when he talks about religionless Christianity, he's talking about we need a Christianity that's not insular, that's not sheltered. Mm -hmm. So so Bonhoeffer would have gone to India, but you know, he's got people pushing him toward America, everybody wants to go to America, so, and he would like to see America, so he goes to America. All right, and so he arrives, um, and there are four things, I wanna highlight four things here that I think uh, influence Bonhoeffer from his time in America. Um, <clears throat> the first is um, an exposure to a diverse range of theological perspectives. Doesn't mean there's no diversity in Germany, but in America you've got an interesting kind of diversity that Bonhoeffer has yet to encounter. Um, he goes to Union Seminary in New York, which we've talked about. He encounters Reinhold Niebuhr, who is a Lutheran sc- scholar. Uh, whether his Lutheranism uh, gelled with Bonhoeffer is another issue. But he's, he's challenged by theological assumptions. Now, Bonhoeffer finds himself in the middle of a theological conundrum here because... He doesn't, he doesn't like what he sees as the liberalism of Protestantism in America is, mm-hmm. as at Union. Um, he, 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 uh, there's, there's one uh, uh, incident where he is uh, having a conversation with other classmates, and he mentions cross, the cross, Jesus dying on the cross and all of that, justification. And he is rather offended because the other students laugh at him like, like, who takes that stuff seriously anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so Bonhoeffer is not happy with what he... I mean, he, he feels like the liberalism of that he sees at Union Seminary is not very deep uh, and that they are very concerned with social matters and social issues. Right. That affects Bonhoeffer. He goes back to Germany real life with a more social emphasis on the gospel, but... He's, he, it, it, again, let me say it my way. I don't know that he would say it this way. He sees Protestant liberalism in America as kind of glorified social work. 
mm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and there's just no theological teeth there. And that these concepts for Bonhoeffer that are so important, justification, cross, atonement, these kinds of things that he, think, he thinks are at the heart of theological reflection doesn't seem to be of interest at union, doesn't seem to be interested in yeah. that. You know, they're, they're just not into that. And so, and so he thinks that's not the gospel. On the other end, he's not conservative um, in the way that we think about conservatives today. We're going to get to, I think it's episode 14 on his view of scripture. Uh, and even though Bonhoeffer loves scripture, he encourages his students to meditate on scripture, spend long time in it. He doesn't have the understanding of scriptural uh, inspiration and authority that conservatives have. Okay, mm -hmm. so this kind of thing is really important. So he doesn't like what he sees in conservatism in America because he thinks it's not very scholarly and it's backward. Mm. So, so for <clears throat> people who try to fit Bonhoeffer into either a more liberal mindset or a more conservative mindset are going to struggle to do this because he doesn't fit. I, I think the, that those who have labeled him, if you're going to label anybody, if you're going to label him, he fits within <clears throat> the neo-orthodox camp. Mm, uh, mm -hmm. Karl Barth and, and those scholars who come out of Protestant liberalism in Germany, re react against a lot of it, uh, recover a sense of, of the gospel with Christ at the center, but they certainly are not what we would think of today as being evangelical in that sense. Mm -hmm. So this, so, so, so the, these, so one of the things that happens when you are confronted with different different theologies, different interpretations, different understandings is you got to think, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, here's what I here's what I believe, but I'm hearing this. Okay, how do I work through this, right? A, a good critical thinker receives that and then tries tries to work through it. Mm -hmm. So this is Bonhoeffer. So I think that exposure helps him for when he goes back to Germany. Um the second thing is, and I can't talk much about it because it's next week, <laughs> he's exposed to the African-American church in Harlem, Abyssinia Baptist Church, and I've talked a little bit about that. Uh, he, he goes there and he experiences vibrant worship, the struggles of uh, African-Americans in systemic oppression and racism. Uh, he's very impressed with the faith and the resilience of the African-American community. Uh, this affects him Greatly. That's why we've got to spend a whole podcast on it because this matters to him. And so next week we will emphasize that. But that's the second uh, thing I want to highlight that was formative for him in America. And the third is, is his involvement with uh, different ecumenical and interfaith organizations. We have talked about this already, that there is a, uh, <clears throat> a, a, a latent ecumenism in Bonhoeffer we see this you know he again he goes to Rome loves Catholicism in Rome he gets uh, not so much in Spain he gets exposed to Lutheranism in Spain and Barcelona which is a little different um, he uh, he just gets to experience very church various church traditions and he is attracted to this broader uh, Christian experience and mm. when he comes to America uh, that is just enhanced for him. And he does get involved in uh, uh, organizations that seek to build bridges between mm. Christian mm. tra 
traditions. Now, by the way, this is significant in that in the 1930s, the denominational laws were a lot higher than they are today, right? I mean, we know, uh, we know that they still can be high in certain places. But, for example, when I was a pastor in the 1980s, uh, I, I, I mean, I've done in my ministry uh, assisted in weddings with, uh, in a Catholic church. And I've actually, uh, there was one Catholic priest who came to our church and assisted me with a couple of weddings. And, wow. And, and, you know, that would not have happened in 1930. Right. Right? It just would not. Right. Uh, you know, we all did our own things, and the only ecumenical thing we did is we'd say hi to each other in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there wasn't those. So, so, so and, and for Bonhoeffer, the denominational walls are high, too. I mean, in Germany even though there is some collaboration. He comes here and he sees these organizations made up of Christians from various denominations working to build bridges mm. in, Christ, in, in the Christian church, but also working on certain issues like poverty uh, and, and other social issues uh, uh, that are important. Mm -hmm. so, so the ecumenism that Bonhoeffer already has is enhanced mm -hmm. in America, and he takes that back mm -hmm. to Germany. Okay, uh, the other thing is, is um, his his because Union Seminary tends to be theologically liberal, which in one sense does not impress Bonhoeffer, but in another sense there is a lot of emphasis on on religion as ethical. Uh, and as uh, even political resistance in some respects. And this feeds the narrative, doesn't it, for Bonhoeffer, because he knows what's going on in Germany. And um, it helps him to uh, uh, develop his own thinking in reference to what does it mean to be a Christian and live the kind of moral life that is not just individual, mm -hmm. but is also makes a difference uh, in the world, and what is Christianity's role in battling and combating injustice? This this is the positive. If there's a positive uh, thing for him with Protestant liberalism at Union Seminary, this is it. Uh, mm -hmm. He thinks it's more Christianity's more than that. That's his complaint about Protestant liberalism in America. Christianity is more than this, but he he really begins to see that. But this is part of the, the gospel train, if you will. Right. You can't, you know, you can't somehow separate that out. Yeah. Uh, and so this is important to him. Um, so uh, these are the things that influence him. And uh, let me just, uh, in, in that context, make some other points. By the way, when he's in the United States, he develops four friendships that will make a difference for him. Okay, two of those friendships are with Americans, and two are with Europeans who he meets here when he is in uh, New York. So the two Americans, the first is Paul Lehman, uh, who is an American. His family, though, is Russian German. Paul speaks fluent German, so Bonhoeffer comes over. He's learning English, um, but he's got some work to do on it. So having Lehman's really helpful because. Because Lehman can speak German. 
Um, and and Lehman really, by the way, had hoped Bonhoeffer would stay in America and teach. He was very mm. disappointed that he didn't. But Lehman uh, is important for him. Um, in fact, Lehman and his wife went to Germany uh, just as things were really heating up between uh, Hitler and the Jews. And so Lehman got to witness some of that. Uh, the other American was Frank Fisher, who we'll talk more about next week. He was an African-American student who introduced him to uh, the African-American worship experience in Harlem. So we'll talk more about him next week. Uh, the other two, one was a Swiss uh, uh, person from Switzerland, Erwin Suits, um, and, and they got to know each other. And the significance after Bonhoeffer left America was... Uh, uh, Suits went back to Switzerland. Switzerland's a neutral country. Right. And so they're able to correspond by letter. And so they do a lot of writing by letter, theologizing together, working through issues. It's real clear that Suits has an influence on Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. And then finally is a French pastor, Jean Lasserre. And what's important about uh, uh, Lasserre for Bonhoeffer is, is that Lasserre is very involved in ecumenical work. But also, Lucerre has pacifist leanings. Mm. What's important about this is when we get to discipleship and the Sermon on the Mount, um, how does Lucerre affect Bonhoeffer's thinking about the Sermon on the Mount and the question of violence and non-resistance? That's the question. So, and they too continue to communicate. And uh, uh, these are four for people who have a great impact on him because of his coming to America. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, so Bonhoeffer comes to New York. He loves New York. As I've said before, he likes New York. He's impressed. In fact, he says in his, he says in his journal, uh, he says, uh, if one were to try to take in all of New York too quickly, one would be overwhelmed. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> if you've been to New York, you know that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, driving driving down Broadway by Madison Square Garden. I won't I won't go into my experience with that. It wasn't good, <laughs> but um, uh, but he's but he's also he's also got some criticisms. He's 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 surprised by the unemployment in New mm. York City, lower than in Germany, or higher than in Germany. I'm sorry. He he's just surprised that a country that's as prosperous as America, that the unemployment would be so bad. Mm -hmm. It's really surprising to him. Um, and the second thing is prohibition, right? Mm. And, and that prohibition has uh, increased organized crime. And so, and of course, Bonhoeffer's a good German, right? I mean, the Germans didn't invent beer, but they sure perfected it, right? <laughs> and so he's not really crazy about prohibition. In fact, on his 25th birthday, he writes a letter to his twin sister, Sabina, in London, who's 25, and says, he says, I can't even lift a glass of wine in honor of your birthday. And he, he talks about prohibition and talks about what a boring affair it is. <laughs> so, but he also, he also, he also sees how Prohibition actually has, you know, raised the specter of crime and, and how the mobs yep. are involved in it and everything. So he's not crazy about prohibition. He, uh, he cracks up a little bit later on when the same churches who, in, who, who got prohibition passed are, were now then trying to repeal it. <laughs> he thought that was kind of funny. Uh, that just was for humor for him. Anyway. <laughs> 
Um, he's invited, by the way, he's invited at one point to preach at an English service. Uh, and, and when he gets there, he is absolutely stunned to see that not only are there lots of adults there, but there's like about a thousand children who want to hear him talk about Germany. Oh, wow. And want to talk about his experience in Germany. Remember, his ex- he's good with kids. We've, we've, already, right. we've already talked about that. Right. We don't know a whole lot of details about some of this, unfortunately, because the letters he wrote to his parents on these matters are lost to us. Oh. So we just don't know. So, so there's certain things about his stay in New York we just don't know. Yeah. Bec- we know he wrote letters to his parents, but, yeah. but they were lost. That's sad. That is very sad. That's sad. So anyway, um, so uh, another thing about Union, uh, he's he loves the students, the fellow students. He he does appreciate his time there, even though he's got criticism. But one of the things that bothers him about Union is it's very big and very busy, and he says there's too little privacy. You know, he wants to spend spend some time reading and spend some time meditating. He says like a retreat kind of really thing. It's really hard wants, to do yeah. that. It's really hard to do that at Union. Um, and again, he complains that the lecturers there are more interested in contemporary issues than theology mm-hmm. and doctrine and scripture. And that bothers him. He just feels like, you know, that's the essence of what the faith is about. You need to be talking about that. Um, but the, other th- the one thing that impresses him is that the professors and the students, I mean, the, the professors very clearly see the students as equal in person, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they may not be equal as professors and students, you know, in, in the in the pecking order of the of, of academia, but they have this uh, uh, sense of the worth of the students that he didn't see as much in Germany. And mm-hmm. one thing that is just amazes him, and this is good and bad for him, is that professors have open doors. You know, they come into their office. And instead of closing their door and doing their research, they open the doors as if they need to be ready in case students want to come. Mm. And which, which for him is not something in his experience. So professors open their doors. And, and um, in one sense, he thinks that's good. In another, another place he complains, he writes, this is what he writes. He says, there's a lot of time, there, there's a lot of time wasting chatter uh, here. But at least I'm learning English from it. <laughs> so, you know, there's too much useless chatter going on, folks. But at least I'm listening to it, learning some English. <laughs> so that's bon- Yeah, that's Bonhoeffer. Um, so uh, what else do I want to say? Um, so Bonhoeffer, again, he just doesn't quite fit in in some ways with his theology. So one of the things he did while he was here, he went to Cuba and he went to Mexico. Yes. I told you the story yes. about Mexico where he wants to drive and he doesn't have his license. He gets invited to go to Cuba and he goes at Christmas. And and so so just imagine Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this German who at Christmas time in Berlin, it's cold mm-hmm. and probably snowy. Right. He goes to Havana <laughs> and he's there on December 25th. I've been to Cuba in the winter. It can be hot. It's hot. It can it's, be hot. Well, it's right there on the equator. Yeah, so and it's, it's and um, so he goes there. Uh, he does some preaching. Um, he he enjoys himself, but yeah, the weather is not exactly uh, conducive <laughs> to him. Um, but see, this is again, this is part of Bonhoeffer. He's soaking this all in, 
the experience of it all is what mm-hmm. matters. It's important to him. He wants to experience and everything. Again, it's this curiosity that was instilled in him from the time he was a boy. And he really loved cultures. And, and he loved know, culture. He really he loved people. He loved the differences of people. He respected the differences yep. of people. He even respected the different religions. You know. Yes. Where it's not. It's we are humans, yeah. and that's what's important to him. That's what's because that's what he he felt like was important to God. Right. That God called exactly us all. Exactly right. Humans. In fact, what's really interesting, you're right to say that. What's really interesting is that you know I said something about him having the opportunity to go to India, coming to America mm-hmm. instead. Uh, later on, Gandhi invites him to come to India. Mm-hmm. It never happens because things fall apart in Germany, but. But Gandhi invites him, and he would have gone if he'd had the opportunity mm-hmm. uh, just to learn and just. Uh, uh, and oh, just can you imagine sitting? Could you imagine Gandhi and Bonhoeffer? Oh my gosh! This would be just like yeah. <laughs> a great coffee talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can imagine Bonhoeffer trying to get Gandhi to have a beer and eat something because <laughs> Gandhi did so much fasting. You know? That's right. <laughs> but, That's right. But anyway, yeah, and so so this is one of the things. Now the other thing I need to mention one other thing about America that affects him. Remember, we talked about the Treaty of Versailles in the first episode, mm-hmm. where uh, you know the the Allies just le- leveled Germany with reparations and made them made them sign a treaty that said they were solely responsible for the war. That it was yeah. all their fault. They were guilty. Bonhoeffer, even as a young man, never buys this, uh, and he's 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 actually he's angry about that, um, and. But something happens in America where he still thinks it's unfair, but he writes to, I'm trying to think who he writes to, I can't remember, but he's writing to somebody, and his experience of America, what he says is, he says, we still, I still don't accept the fact that Germany was solely responsible for the war, but what I have now come to accept is that the big transgression of Germany was complacency. Mm. That too many Germans were complacent over what led to the First World War. Mm. And he sees now German complacency with the rise of Hitler and the Nazis. So it's complacency. And this is going to figure in because what's Dietrich Bonhoeffer going to talk about? What's the heart of the faith? Discipleship. Right. Discipleship. Following Jesus, right. This is very important for Bonhoeffer, and you mentioned you mentioned by uh, also Bonhoeffer's interest in culture. Uh, John Lacerne, the French uh, the French pastor he befriended, uh, he gave he gave a little speech. Uh, I want to say about 1960, uh, and there's a paragraph of the speech where he says, "This is what Dietrich. This is at the heart of what he's about is culture, mm. and that that mm. understanding." That 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 there is that that culture matters, and that culture we talk about being enculturated, mm-hmm. and that for for Bonhoeffer he felt that Christians were not enculturated enough with the gospel, right, and, right, and therefore then they allowed other aspects of the larger culture to influence them mm-hmm. in ways that they shouldn't. Well, and I even sensed that when I was reading the letters from prison. There was this oh. sense that there was not this not enough action that there was, you know, his family was his family seemed resolved to overact mm-hmm. in helping him 
and being, and you know, like get even breaking him out of prison to those to those extents. They were they were ready to do whatever it took for him to do. He backed off of the yeah. breaking out of prison, but it was still there wasn't enough. There was these just this, you know, rise up, stand up for who yeah. you are, for what you believe in. There the disappointments that he felt for decisions that were coming from pastors that he knew in uh, Berlin and just kind of backing down and saying, okay, well, we won't do this. We'll buy into the Nazi line and we'll, you know, and, and yeah. that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I can see where that, that was a tremendous conflict for him yeah. in, in his, his, what faith really was, what it meant for him to be, yeah. you know, that it wasn't just a church building. It wasn't just a sermon on Sunday, but it was actually, okay, what do you do with your yeah. faith? What do you get out and do with it? Yeah, for Bonhoeffer, there's no fence sitting. And right. so so his disappointment is not that these pastors become wholehearted supporters of Hitler. They don't, but they become willing to, to go along to get along. Right. And that's what, that's what bother, uh, bothers Bonhoeffer. The first, by the way, the first sentence of his book, The Cost of Discipleship, is this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Yeah. That's how it starts yeah. out. Okay, Bonhoeffer. <laughs> All right. No, I'm not going to ease into this subject. Let me be clear right from the beginning. Yeah. This is what happens. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And this is where Bonhoeffer is. And uh, so, you know, he, uh, so he takes this experience... Uh, and it it changes him, and it helps him. Mm -hmm. We do have to before we end the episode. We do have to talk about his second trip. He comes back. Okay. In 1939, um, he's wanting to avoid the draft. Right. Uh, as a soldier, what they refer to as induction, he wanted to avoid the draft because he didn't want to fight for Hitler. He did not want to be a soldier. Uh, that was a real moral problem for him. And so he comes to America the second time. Uh, the members of the Confessing Church aren't crazy about this only because they, they want him as a teacher. Right. Um, and he has to convince uh, others that uh, this is an important trip for him. He's, he's struggling personally because he, he, he knows the personal reasons why he wants to come to America. He wants to get away from the draft. Right. Doesn't want to serve. But he also feels guilty because he feels like he's got a moral obligation to stay there and, and be with his fellow citizens in resisting. Mm -hmm. So he comes to America, and there's this photo, by the way, of, of and I crack up every time I see it, because it's, it's, he's on the boat coming to America. Okay. Okay. And they fly to London. They get on the boats, coming to America. His brother comes with him, and there's this photo of they're sitting. Now think of you know boat cruise, right? <laughs> he's sitting on the boat on the deck. He's in one of these lounge, long lounge chairs. His brother's next to him. They're both reading. Bonhoeffer's wearing a suit coat, and his brother's wearing a tie. And there's a woman walking behind them on deck who's wearing this really nice dress. And I read, I look at that and go, oh, how times have changed. <laughs> right? This is true. Right? Um, so it's just, it just is a reminder of a different time. Right. So Bonhoeffer, they come over here. He's here not very long, and he starts to regret it. Even though there are people here in America trying to convince him to stay, mm -hmm. he just 
begins to feel as if, um, well, that he is running away from his discipleship mm -hmm. here in America. So he's not here all that long. And then he finally um, hops on the last boat. Is it like six, nine months or something like that? Yeah, it's only six, nine months. He's yeah. not here long, but, but he just, I can't do this. I, I've got to go back. Um, and uh, he goes back also knowing uh, that, you know, he's not in uh, good graces with the government. You know, mm -hmm. he's not really gotten involved with the resistance yet. He's going to do that when he goes back. But, but this, this desire for him to remain faithful means that he cannot stay out of the fray. Mm -hmm. You know, Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And if that's what awaits Bonhoeffer, then that's what awaits him. He does, by the way. You know, after he gets back and things start to heat up and get worse, and he's arrested, he does begin to think, "I'm not going to live through this. That I'm going to be, mm -hmm. I'm going to be a martyr for the cause." He does begin to to see that, and of course, it's what happens. Mm -hmm. So that's Bonhoeffer in America. Now we're not done with Bonhoeffer in America. Yeah, we got a big part to talk about. We've got to talk next week about Bonhoeffer in Harlem. This just his experience with african-american christianity in harlem just is formative uh in a way that uh, needs to be emphasized uh and and talk about how that works with him mm -hmm. uh, you know there's there's lots of parallels because you know he experiences the african-american community in discrimination he knows what's going on in Germany with the Jews. Mm -hmm. I mean, he sees what's happening, he and he experiences, by the way, the resilience of their faith, right? That in the midst of all of this, um, and um, I, I don't know that Bonhoeffer uh, acknowledged this or realized this or not, but what must it be like for you as an African-American whose ancestors were slaves to take on the religion of your oppressors? Right, mm. and but then do something completely different from right. it that the oppressors would never have wanted to do. Right. So it's actually kind of interesting. So we're going to have fun next week, just looking at Bonhoeffer, and seeing how that affects him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're going to look at the we're going to look particularly at a book called Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus mm. by Reggie Williams, which is a really good book. Okay. And well, that's where we are. Sounds good. Anything else you have? I, well, I had a question because you're yeah. talking about him going back on his second trip yeah. back. How soon did he get involved with Anwar? Is that the Adver? Adver. Um, he got involved because that was like their secret service. Yeah, that was their secret service. He um, he goes in 1939. And I want to say that it's not too much longer after he gets back. That he uh, that he gets involved with the Abvir. Um I know he's I know he's in. I think it's, I want to say 1940, but it may yeah, be 41. Timeline in here, maybe I could have it. In but I know you know he's definitely involved by 42 because in 42, of course, the Japanese attack Pearl Harbor, mm -hmm. and then America enters the war, and uh, Bonhoeffer and and others all of a sudden have a sense of urgency. If there is a way to overthrow the regime, they have to do it because now that America's come into the war, basically what they're saying is, we're gonna be demolished. 
right. Yeah. And so, the, so if we can get rid of the government, if we can get Hitler out of power, then maybe we can sue for peace. Um, one of the things that's also important to to think about Bonhoeffer is at the beginning of the war, I mean, he never has a sense that Germany is going to win. Never. He is looking what, I mean, he he's looking at the Western Front, and then of course Hitler, because Hitler is Hitler. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he starts a war on the east with Russia, so he's fighting on these two fronts, and there's all kinds of stuff going on, and Bonhoeffer's thinking, I mean, one of the reasons he goes back is because he thinks to himself, I have no right to participate in the rebuilding of Germany if I'm not there for the suffering. Mm. He, he, he knows Germany can't win this. The mm. question will be how much suffering, death, mayhem, mayhem, uh, and destruction will happen. Yeah. The task is to try to mitigate that. So, so he, so that's a long way to say. By '42, he's definitely involved in the Abwehr. I want to say 1940 okay. is when he starts to really make inroads. And of course, his brother-in-law, uh, Hans uh, von Dagiani, is involved and gets him in and actually provides some cover for Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. uh, as he's doing his work, mostly with the intelligence, trying to pass intelligence. And also doing his best to help Jews escape from Germany to mm-hmm. Switzerland. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things he's doing. So Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> we are done with another week of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Next week, Bonhoeffer in Harlem. And uh, so, friends, thank you for joining us. Uh, I am Alan Bevere, and the patron saint of faith-seeking understanding is Anselm of Canterbury, who said, I do not understand in order to believe. I believe in order to understand. So, friends, keep seeking. Bye.